God is good, amen? Well, I'm excited to preach the word again. You know, I, I, uh, uh, I really believe, you know, it's, it's really something when God establishes a, a word in you, when he puts something in you, you know, to give out to people. And I'm just so very thankful for the, that he continues to do that. You know, because when I preach the word, it's not just that you get something out of it, but I get something out of it too. Uh, my wife gets something out of it too when she ministers. You know, any minister does and they should. If the, if the word they're preaching doesn't speak to them as well, you know, then something's wrong, right? And, you know, there, there's an interesting thing. I actually saw this this week about um, the need. I can't remember the exact quote. I wish I had written it down or maybe I did and I wish I knew where it was if I did. Right, right at this moment, I don't know. But, uh, you know, there's this, this minister that said something like this. He said, you know, uh, there, there's a need for a continual, uh, continual hearing of the things that, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm hacking this all up, but there's a need to continually hear the truths that we hear in, in the pulpit over and over and over again, because these things feed us and they, they keep us, uh, they keep us in the, the, the right uh, vein of thinking. Amen. Have you ever had something, uh, have you ever been reminded of something either from the Lord or somebody else or whatever, you've been reminded of something and then you thought, oh yes, if I just remembered that. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, I like hacks, you know, like, uh, you know, the, 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 the hacks that they have online for, you know, video hacks of, you know, how to do things simpler and, and, and it shows you different things. And, and I've seen so many of them, I've forgotten most of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, all these things that would make my life easier, and I find a lot of them actually would make your life easier, but all these things that would make my life easier, I find that I've forgotten most of the ones I see. But every once in a while, I'll see one of them again, and I'll remember that I saw it before, and I think, oh yes, if this time I could just remember that, right? And, and, and because the, isn't that the truth? Is we're reminded of things. There's so many things that we have to think about and to do and all this stuff throughout life that sometimes we forget some of the, even the most basic of things that we have to do, don't we? Yeah. Sometimes the most simple things that we, uh, that we have to do, we just can, we can completely forget uh, what it was. And I know that the Lord has done this so many times. I've, I've gone to the scripture and all of a sudden I've come across a scripture that I, maybe I highlighted many, many moons ago. You know, I, I, I highlighted it sometime in the past, forgot that it even existed. And I see, I see it highlight, uh, highlighted. So I, I think uh, obviously there was some reason, something that drew me to it. And then I read it. I'm like, oh yes, if I had only remembered that truth. Amen. And so that's the way it is when we come to the word that and when we come to God is, is it, uh, a lot of things come to us by constant reminder of truth, constant reminder of the things that we are, we're called to do, uh, the things that, that we're told to do, you know, um, and I just love that. And, and in fact, I love what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will remind you of the things that I've said. Now, why would they need to be reminded of the things that, they, that, that he said if you just get it once? Well, you don't just get it once, amen? And, and so, uh, you, you, you know, I say, I don't even know why I say these things, but maybe it's, it's for myself, but uh, it's not necessarily in line with my message or what my message is about. But, you know, there always needs to be some kind of introduction to what I'm preaching, right? There always has to be something that we start off with. And uh, although I don't plan that out, you know, to be that way, I just looked down and I saw that all I have to start with is a scripture. And so I, I, I figured probably something else. So I tap in and get, draw that out. Amen. Praise the Lord. And we can all do that. And this is part of the wonderful thing about uh, following the Lord. Glory to God. I'm so excited uh, for... Uh, I'm so excited uh, for, for this weekend's messages. I'm excited for tonight's message. I think it's for us. I believe it's for this group and uh, specifically. And so I'm excited from that, that standpoint. I'm also excited for tomorrow's message. And I highly consider or, or, or encourage you, if you're a Corey person, uh, to, if you listen, if you don't normally listen to uh, the Sunday messages, to listen tomorrow because I believe that there's some, some things that, are, are, that the Lord is bringing about. Um, I don't know if it'll be a one or two week message, but uh, I, I believe there's some things that, that will pertain to all of us. Amen. But tonight's message is called, Are You, are you Ready? Amen. Praise the Lord. Sometimes I wonder, have I even given titles the same messages? Or does anyone ever remember me preaching a message called, Are You Ready? It, it probably have, and if I had, uh, you know, it probably wasn't about the same thing, or it might have been, I don't know, but we're preaching this again, amen? amen. Uh, preaching on these things. I know I haven't been in, uh, in the, these first scriptures, I haven't been into them in a long time. But we're talking about, what we're talking about is the preparations, preparing ourselves. 
That's, that's what this is all about. And, and, and this idea, this concept of being, are, you know, the question, are you ready, is something that we need to ask ourselves on a continual basis. Am I ready? You know, um, uh, you, you know I, one of the things I think we're really blessed with around here is seasons. And the reason, I, and I think I've been, I've been meditating on this a lot recently, you know, each season brings something different, doesn't it? Each season brings a, a new set of obstacles, a new set of tasks. You know, I, I, I did a lot of things over the summer, and a lot of things I was doing over the summer uh, that I tried to get done over the summer. Now, my list, I, I never seemed to complete. But all the things that I tried to get done over the summer, you know, around my property, around my house or whatever, and everything I've been doing around my house uh, in, in the recent times has been about making things, excuse me, making things easier when the next season comes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to get my house to a place where the maintenance isn't like, it's not always doing something new, but it's just, it's just maintaining and going. So I don't, I don't have to spend time thinking about it. And isn't that the, the probably goal of most of us or the heart behind a lot of things we, we want to do, right? But, you, you know, uh, as the seasons change, you know, there's a shifting of gears. You know, in the summertime, I was doing very specific things. And then, you know, as fall starts coming around, you know, it's making plans to put away some of the summer stuff, the lawnmower and so on and so forth. But uh, even beyond that... <clears throat> It isn't just about putting away the summertime things. We have to do all that, the deck furniture and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, the Frisbee golf, we had, to, we had to put away the Frisbee golf, right? We just got that put away, and uh, so it's not out in the field all, all, all winter long. But, um, you, you know, there's a new set of obstacles, a new set of things that come, and so our brains shift, and we, we kind of start entering into another thing, and, and, and that we have four seasons and really a short year. I mean, 12 months, as you get older anyways, you realize this, 12 months isn't really all that long of a time but those those 12 months they shift fast don't they and it seems as we go on they shift faster but I think that you know we're blessed to have that because that keeps us always thinking about being ready for the next thing unless we're just lazy and then we don't think about it at all and then that's a problem as well but the th same thing goes with spirituality there's there there's seasons that we go through in life there's seasons of of sowing different things you know there's seasons of sowing maybe you'll you'll spend more time in prayer in a certain season or more time in the word, you know, or we should spend some time all the time, right, in these things. But sometimes we'll spend more time in those. You know, if we if we have a guest minister that comes in and we do a bunch of services back to back, which we haven't done in a while, would love to do so again, but we haven't done so in a while. But, uh, you, you know, even when we do that, uh, you know, th that's a season where we're going to church more, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and so those seasons come around too. But, but, but when we're talking about being prepared, it's not so much about the day-to-day -day things that I'm talking about here. It's not so much about the, uh, you know, the, the, the humdrum things, so even the week-to-week -week things that we do, even as it pertains to a church. But, but I'm talking about being ready and preparing ourselves for God. Yeah. You know, the, the, there's this thing about coming to God ready. Or, 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 or uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say that. Coming to God ready. You know, and what I mean by ready is with a heart that's already prepared for him. You know what I mean? When, if you're going to receive guests, we have holidays coming up, right? Uh, and, and most of us, if we're, if we're not hosting holidays, we're probably going to go somewhere for a, the holiday gathering. But whoever's hosting the holidays, they, they, they prepare. They spend lots of time preparing. My mom is, is, is already talking about what we're going to do for Thanksgiving. So she's already preparing for it ahead of time. Why is she preparing for it ahead of time? Because when Thanksgiving comes here, it would be quite disappointing to us all if we showed up and she said, oh, you're here. I didn't even think about it. I didn't get ready yet. Amen? Well, Christian, so many times we live our lives like that with God. We, 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 God wants us to be prepared to receive him, and yet so often we're not prepared to receive him, and that's because we don't spend the time we need to spend in the right ways that we need to spend them getting ourselves ready to receive him. And what I find so often is I, find, I have actually seen this a lot. I've seen a lot of Christians out there in the world uh, that, 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 that just kind of haphazardly go. They believe in God. My wife and I were talking about on the way down here, it's almost like superstition. It's almost like some Christian's faith is not much more than just superstition. And what I mean by that is they, you know, they believe in God. They might even pray, but they, they, they believe in God from a standpoint of they know it's right and good to believe in God. But they don't live their lives or prepare their lives yeah. like they believe in God. 
And see, you know, in, in Proverbs 1, verse 7, I think it is, it says, it tells us that the, 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 uh, uh, that the, uh, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. Amen? And quite, quite simply, what is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord isn't hard. The fear of the Lord isn't difficult. What the fear of the Lord is, is it's recognizing and understanding who he is and then, and then having a, a reverential fear of not connecting to him, of not fulfilling what he's called us to do, of not being part of that. Amen? Uh, somebody who, who you, you know, fear, it doesn't have to be an afraid thing, right? Uh, and I think this is getting a little bit into tomorrow's message, which I'm trying not to do, but, but it doesn't have to be a, a, an afraid thing. It's not something that we uh, have to walk around afraid of all the time, but we should uh, walk around with a reverence all the time, understanding that God has put us here for a, a period of time, and if we're not ready, we won't be very much useful to him. Right. Amen? So why don't we go ahead and start in the scripture. Go with, uh, go to me, go with me to Second Timothy 2, verse 20. This is a timeless message, and what I mean by that is this is a this is a message that doesn't go out, won't go out of fashion, won't go out of style. You know, this is something that will uh, apply if you lived uh, three thousand years ago. It applies if you live two thousand years in the future. You know, if we were still here, I don't believe we will be, but but in the event that we were, uh, it applies then as well. Amen. We should live ever ready. To receive it. In fact, you know, let me let me share something. As you turn to Second uh, Timothy two twenty, um, you know, it, the Apostle Paul lived like this, and it was really interesting. You see this all through his letters. the The Apostle Paul w- wrote some of his letters, and it almost it almost appeared as if he expected Jesus to come back at any second. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in the end times. Yeah. They started talking about that two thousand years ago, yeah. right? And was that because they were just deceived and they didn't know that the end wasn't really coming? No, he had an understanding of the fear of God. Live like he's coming back. That's what Jesus taught. Live like I could come back at any moment. See, some people are, are, are they're, they're, they're just, you know, we have all the, the we have the, the parable, the, the, the ten, uh, what, the ten, the ten virgins, I think, is one of them. And, you know, how some were ready and some were not, you know, for the bridegroom and stuff like that. And there's, there's other, the, we, the, the wedding feast, you know, some were prepared and some weren't, you know. Uh, but, so Jesus talked, in, in, uh, interestingly enough, I'm not going to those scriptures specifically here today to, or tonight. But, but, but we have to understand that, they, you know, the Apostle Paul, Paul lived that way. The other disciples, the apostles, they lived that way because they had this idea that Jesus could come back at any time. And so they would be prepared. Do you know even the devil prepares? Even the devil prepares. He's prepared things just in case. In case he can get things through in this time or that time, you know. In case he can overcome. He's always trying to plot and to scheme. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. But why would Christians not want to be prepared you know, I, I, as I, I was a Boy Scout when I was uh, a, a young, a, a young, a young guy, and uh, you know, the the motto of the boys, Boy Scouts is two words, real simple: be prepared. Be prepared, and I always loved that. I, I, I like that. But what what does it mean? It means you got to be prepared for anything. Just be prepared. Sometimes you don't even know what's going, but you can be prepared. And you know, uh, man, I just, there's so many, so much stuff that's just coming to me, you know, as we do this. And so we'll, we'll get into the scripture because the scripture is important. But you know, Jesus taught in parables for a reason, and, and I believe that these help us connect things. You know, my wife and I were coming back from, uh, uh, we were at a meeting up in Canada in March of 2020. And, you know, there was craziness kind of going around. We had just started really hearing about, uh, her and I had just started really paying attention to this, this thing, this sickness that's going around. Um, of course, we all know that that's when COVID kind of broke loose. But we were in Canada, and then we came back across the border. But, you know, in, on the way back, uh, my wife just had this unction on the inside of her. You, you, you probably put in a, a grocery order. We didn't know it yet. We didn't know much about it at all yet, but she had had this unction on the inside of her. And you had also had some unction to stock up on toilet paper yeah. for a while, or a little while, or something like that. She had been just kind of, not, not like one hoarding it. We didn't know it was going to be a problem. Yep. 
And, but she just had this unction to just, just start buying. So she would go and she'd buy the store. You know, it wasn't like she wasn't going buying it out or anything like that. We didn't know, you know. Um, and that's really the reason that I brought it up is because of the toilet paper. But when, the, when, when everything got, went crazy, and you remember there was a huge toilet paper shortage, and everybody's like, what are we going to even do? We had more than enough. Yeah. And the reason we had more than enough is because we had been prepared. And the reason we were able to be prepared is because we have a relationship with God. Now, if you didn't have enough, that doesn't mean you had a bad relationship with God. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that I find that as God uh, deals with us, he, he deals with us in preparations. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of times people, they have something hard happen. You don't mind if I, 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 I preach courting unction tonight. Uh, sometimes they have something hard happen. They say, where was God? Why wouldn't God fix this? Do you know Joseph was showed by the Lord that there was going to be a famine in the land of Egypt? And he said, prepare for it for seven years. Yeah. And he prepared for it. I think it was seven years, right? He prepared for it all those years. Uh, he had the Egypt prepare for it, or that, that, that area, whatever, prepare for it. And then when the famine happened, he didn't, he didn't stop the famine. God did not stop the famine. Think about this. But he had prepared somebody to deal with it and to be ready for it. And see, a lot of times the issues we face in life are because we, haven't, we simply haven't prepared. We haven't spent the time. And I'm going to tell you, this is one of the number one problems. You know, God doesn't want us to come to him because it does, because, because he needs us to come to him. He wants us to spend time with him because it's good for us. He loves us. He wants us prepared. But so many of God's people are distracted by so many things. They're trying to build their lives. They're trying to build all this stuff. And they forget about God. And then they wonder where the help is in time of need. And a lot of times, God tried to prepare you even months, years, sometimes whatever, ahead of time. Amen? So did you find Second Timothy? Chapter 2, verse 20. It says, now in a large house, now this is interesting, this word house here is the same word, it's like, oh, I don't even know how you pronounce it, okaya or okia or something like that, O-K-I-A, I think is what it is, and it's a Greek word, and it's the same word that's used in, um, uh, in, in, uh, John 14 and like the first couple verses there where he says in the uh, he, he said in my father's house there are many mansions mm -hmm. and so it's the same word in my father's house amen so I think that's interesting because when it talks about my father's house if you study that out he's not really talking about um, in his his home or his dwelling he's talking about in his household yeah. in his family that's what it literally means yeah. you know my household are those who reside with me you know, Jesus said to, 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 to abide in the word, yeah. right? <clears throat> he told us to do that continually and always. Amen. And he said that uh, he who abides in me, the, you know, the spirit will abide in him and my father, you know, and all the abiding and, and talking about that. We know that that's a good thing. And so these don't think that these these words are used accidentally. Amen. So it says now in, in, a, um, in a large house which you could say is the, uh, the, you know, the body of Christ, the people at large. Uh, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, and some to honor, some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now, this word cleanse means to rid of, right? So, uh, so if you rid yourself of the things that cause dishonor, you will be something, you will be a vessel of honor. Notice that the, the direction here is not to allow God to do this in you, but the direction is for you to do it. See, I, I have, over the years, one of the things I've learned about Christians is we really have a habit of trying to find the path of least resistance, don't we? You know, if you talk about tithing, well, how much do I got to give, right? You talk about giving, well, how much do I got to bring and still be okay? You talk about, you know, serving God, well, how much do I got to serve before God's happy? You know, uh, uh, you, you know we, we could go right down the list. How, how much of this can I drink or how much of this can I eat and still be okay? Do you understand all of that is wrong heart? That's the heart that God rejects. God isn't looking for somebody to, to, to skirt the edge of what they're allowed to do. If you're a Christian who practices skirting the edge of what you're allowed to do, you'll never be prepared for greater works. 
and God ain't going to use you for greater works because you have made yourself a vessel of dishonor. You've allowed yourself. God will still accept you. God will still uh, love you. He will still bless you. But you understand that by our living, the way we choose to live, the way what we choose to embrace, what we choose to, uh, you know, uh, if listen, if you've ever done this, and I, I've done this before, so I can say it from place of experience, so I'm not just calling you out, but if you've ever done this before, if you've ever thought, okay, how can I justify my actions? You're already in the wrong. Because if you're not justified in your actions, if you don't know what the truth is, you're already coming at it from a wrong heart. And so many times, Christians, they just want to be like, okay, how much do I have to do for this person to forgive them? How much do I have to, uh, you know, how, much, how, how, much, how nice do I have to be to a brother or sister to be okay before the Lord? See, we're skirting the edge of things, and that's always an evil heart. Vessels for dishonor. The question here is really important, and this is something that we need to ask ourselves. Before we ask ourselves, what can I do? What can I get away with? What, what is God requiring of me? We need to ask ourselves, am I even useful for my Heavenly Father? Is the way I live my life useful to God? You know, I've heard this so many times out of good Christians, good people's mouths. So it's come out of my mouth too until the Lord started correcting me on it. And then I started trying to change it. But how many times I said, well, I'd never do that. I'm not even talking about God. I'm just saying I'd never do that. I would never go there. I would never do this or do that. Do you understand that that's putting you in a box of what I won't do for God? You know, one thing, when I was coming back from Kenya, you know, a prayer I prayed when I was in Kenya, and I prayed it under my breath, nobody else heard me, but I said, Lord, do not let me die, please don't let me die in a foreign land, let me die, and I, and I didn't think I was going to die, but I just, I just had that in my heart, because I felt so far away from home, I'm like, if I, when it's time for me to die, let me die with my family, let me die in my home, I'll do anything for you, God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. And part of the, the place that that prayer came out of was, was pressure that came. The entire flight home was a difficult flight. I spent 15, I think 15 and a half hours from Nairobi, Kenya, in an airplane. And it wasn't, I wasn't, I was in coach. It was in a, a really uh, not a good situation. I was uncomfortable. The food on the airplane made me sick. And so I wasn't feeling really all that great. I had horrible heartburn and just all these things going on. And on top of that, I felt like the world was like just, I just felt, you know, have you ever felt pressure for no reason? Yeah. And that's exactly what I felt as I was coming back. And I had this thought, I don't ever want to go back to Kenya again. And to have no, I, I don't ever want to go back there again. You know, and the truth of the matter is, is I won't go back unless the Lord sends me back. But I will go if he sends me. But see, when we get to a place where we've determined in our heart, I won't do something, we've made ourselves unuseful for the Lord. Now, I'm not also not advocating that you just go, Lord, I'll do anything you want to do, because then he'll make you. He might make you, and then you'll be surprised. That's exactly what he's done in my life. I've got, I just, Lord, your will be done. That's, that's where I've gotten to. Like, I'm not going to say what I won't do, and I'm not going to say what I would do. I'm just going to say your will be done. I'll, I'll do my best to do whatever your will is. That, that's what I'm going to do. Because I don't want to be tested either way. Just let, you know, if I, I'm fine. Never going again. Hallelujah. I don't need to go back, back to Africa. I never wanted to go in my first, first place and uh, in of myself, and, and I had no interest in going back. But, but I, I, I do believe I go back. Um, so, you know, if, if there's anyone happened to listen that hears that, you know, I do believe that that will happen. But at the same time, what I'm trying to say, express is, you know, so many of us, we put ourselves in this box of what we won't do for God because we've determined in our hearts what we won't do. And that's something that God has to deal with if we're ever going to be useful to him. See, because the things that we're doing today are not what he's going to have us do tomorrow. A lot of times the things we're doing today are preparing, for, preparing us for the things that he'll have us do tomorrow. And that doesn't mean preparing us to make it easy. No, he's preparing us for harder things. Yeah. Amen. I've never seen the work of the Lord get easier. I would just see myself learn how to deal with it, learn how to be able to grow into it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's never gotten easier. 
I mean, look at, look at the Apostle Paul's life. How much easier did his life get? Was it easier when he was crucified? When he was, when, when he was murdered? When he was bound? When he was thrown into prison and beaten? Was it easier then when, when he was a free man? I don't think so. And so if we're just looking for a, a way to live a comfy, comfortable life, you know, without any kind of issues and just kind of, you know, come do our thing and whatever, brothers and sisters, that's not what God has called us to. And that doesn't mean he's called everybody to be a missionary or to do this or do that, you know, not necessarily. But what I'm saying is, is that we, it's how we've prepared our hearts. Have we prepared our hearts? Have we cleansed ourselves? Are we useful to our Heavenly Father? Look what it says there. Um, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. The, the idea of cleansing is not that you do one or a few specific things. The reason that so many people never walk in God's plan is because they've never prepared themselves for it. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about how I always see prepare. This isn't like some deep theological thing, and it's not going to be, you're not going to find it in Webster's Dictionary. Amen? Or Harper's Collins, if you use that one. Sometimes I use, I'll use whatever one comes up first when I'm trying to define a word on the, on the Internet. So I don't really care which one you use, but you're probably not going to find this definition. But the words prepare always stand out to me, and it stands out to me like this. It stands out to me in two words. And we understand that it's, it's a, you know, it's a, a conjunction. I think a conjunction is what you call it. It's two words put together. Uh, you know, you have the suffix, the prefix, the prefix, pre, right? And then you have the word pair, right? And there's different meaning for that, uh, not which I, I often see. But this is how I see prepare. And this will make sense, I think, to you as I talk about it. But how I see prepare is, you know, like the word pair, P-A-R-E, it means to, like, to trim off the excess, right? So if you were, uh, I, I saw once somebody was preparing uh, uh, some kind of meat to, to be smoked or to be something or other, and they're going to put salt on it, but they had to trim off the excess fat in order to do what they were to accomplish what they were accomplishing. So it's to trim off the excess to make it usable. My wife and I, uh, when we get a chance, we like to cook together. And not because we're good cooks, just because we don't, no one wants to do it by themselves. And so I, but I have things I like to do. She has things that she's willing to do. And one of the things I like to do is chop vegetables. I like to do that. I don't know why I like to. Maybe it's because everybody else scares me with knives. I don't know. But I like to chop vegetables. Plus, I like them chopped a certain way. And I can be kind of persnickety that way. So, I, you know, you know I, I, I chop the vegetables. But part, you know, sometimes, you, or if you know anything about a kitchen, which I know very little, uh, there's a thing called a paring knife, right? And a paring knife is for cleaning vegetables, right? Is it for preparing? Am I right in that? Yeah, yeah. So, so you can use it for that. So uh, to, pre to, to prepare vegetables. And that pairing is to cut off the axis. You cut off the skins. You cut off the ends. You cut off the things that you're not going to use in the soup, yeah. right? Yeah. Amen. And so when I think of prepare, I think about getting rid ahead of time in my life of the things that are unuseful. What God is doing when he prepares us, and I don't know if this can be a definition, but it works for me. But I, what God is doing when he wants us to be prepared is he doesn't want us coming into this with all the baggage, here we go, okay, God, use me. No, he wants us to look at our lives. You know, the process that God walks us through in our lives is pairing us. Yeah. It's cutting off the things that are... are, 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 are uh, uh, a drag. You know, in airplanes, they have things that, you know, extra weight can be a drag. And so they, they measure everything just so. They don't want things hanging off the airplane because everything that you hang off the airplane makes drag and it slows you down. In fact, there's this one kind of slow down device. I just saw it this week on an airplane in the wing. And what it is is when, you know, it's an airplane that's really fast and when it's coming in, it has these things that come up like this and make it X out of the wing. They just come up just like that. And what they do is they create drag to slow it down. And what God wants us to do, what he's doing in us, what these, what, what, why do we come together? Why do we hear about the word? Why do we do these things? He's preparing us. He's, he's cutting off the drag. He's starting to show it. Now, 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 I know drag can be used in the wrong way nowadays, and that's, that's not the way that I'm using 
using it either, either but, but he's, he's cutting off the excess, the things that slow us down. You know, there's a scripture, I think it's in Hebrews, that says to, to you know, to, to, to uh, uh, let loose of all the things that, that, that keep you, uh, that slow you down, right? Uh, so baggage, you know, you can, we can have baggage that's just slowing us down. As I travel, one of the things that I, I, I work at doing every time I travel, I work at traveling better. So the next time I do it more efficiently, faster. I don't need this much stuff so I can carry less weight, different things like that. See, if you don't ever travel, you don't think of that. And this is exactly the problem. A lot of people aren't traveling with God. And so they never think about the things they got to cut out. They never think that the things they're doing are slowing them down and keeping them unuseful. They're keeping them in a place where God can't utilize them, where God wants to use them more, but he just can't because they've created so much dragon. So I ask you, do you look at your life, and even at this moment, are you going through your head and thinking, are there things in my life that are slowing me down from accomplishing the things of God? Now, there's lots of things that will slow you down in life that you can't stop. Is there anyone here who's independently wealthy and never has to work again a day in their life? Well, <laughs> I haven't found anybody yet, praise the Lord, and I'm certainly not there. That, that applies to all of us. And so work the ability or the need to, to, to be able to support ourselves or our families is something that, that can cause drag, but it's a, necess- a necessity in life, isn't it? And so we don't throw that out. But, but, but see, there's so many things, whether they're ideas, whether they're places, mindsets, places of us being, positions of us being, where we, we, we've just created all these, these, these X's that come up. Yeah. You say, well, they're going to slow us down. Yeah. Amen. One of the things that I love about our family, and I don't believe that this was a call just for our family. I believe this is a call across the board. But our family knows that we're a ministry family. I think if every Christian family would live that, that way, they would get a lot more done. Yeah. We, would, we may even be, be home with Jesus by now if people would start living this way. But most people think, oh, that's great for a pastor or a minister to live as a ministry family. No, live your life as a Christian. You're not called to live like the world, so stop trying to be like the world. You don't have to go through all the programs or have all the things or or do all the stuff that the world does. What you need to do is what has God want to do in our lives. See, people don't consider that and put that at the forefront of their life, and because of that, they never become useful for the Father. I've seen people that have been disqualified. Because they simply won't lay down the natural things. And what I'm saying is, I'm not saying you can't live a life and have any kind of enjoyment or stuff like that. But if the focus of your life is about producing enjoyment, is about producing the freedom to, to be able to do whatever you want, then you're living just like the world lives. That's not what God has called his people to. God has said that if we would trust him, if we would follow him, he will make sure that we have the things that we need. Now, he might say, I want you to work. But he will make sure that it's blessed. Amen. Right? He may say some things. He may say, I'm going to deliver this to you. One of the things I've learned as a pastor is that that I I haven't seen, I've asked the Lord for a millionaire to come to the church, a tithing millionaire. Bring one to the church. Each church. Just give me one in each church. A tithing millionaire. Do you know one millionaire that tithes in the church, in these two churches, completely change all, it would change everything. One millionaire that ties in these churches could completely change. We're not asking for a whole lot. Do you know God hasn't ever sent that? I don't pray that way anymore. I don't seek that anymore. At one time I did because I saw other churches that had them. I'm like, man, they're blessed. You know, ain't nothing like taking up. A, we gotta, we gotta repave the parking lot. It's gonna cost forty grand, and it comes in one service. Praise the Lord, Hallelujah. Man, I've tried to. I, I, I've done multiple offering taken up just to raise a thousand bucks before. You know, understand? So, so uh, you, you know, we've done that before, taken up the offering, and most of what went into it was what we put into it. You, you understand what I'm saying? So, like, but but what I've learned is this: is that God will take care of it. He moves on the hearts of people. But I'm not talking about what God's doing at large. You know, if God's using other people, that's wonderful. I want God to use me. And if you're a good Christian, you want God to use you. You're not waiting to see, oh, well, God will bring it through somebody else. See, that's skirting that edge again, isn't it? That's keeping the fad on. It's slowing you down. It's the, your ex is going up. You're slowing right down. You're not flying anywhere. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, God will use somebody else to do it. That, that mindset is disgusting in the eyes of the Lord. Because God has never called his people 
to look and see who else will do the work. In fact, we're given examples in the Bible of people that are righteous before the Lord. And what do they say? God, use me. Use anybody else, but use me. Here I am, Lord. Now, we sing that song, right? It's an old Catholic song, I think. Here I am, Lord. You know, but that's actually, that song is based out of two scriptures. The whole idea of being used by the Lord. Y'all, when in our days, how often in our days are we like preparing our hearts? You know, coming to church is a way of preparing yourself. Why? Because some people just come to church because it's open. Yeah, the doors are open to come in. They ain't ready to receive from God. Do you come to church expecting you'll hear from God? Because if you don't, you're not prepared to be here. And how are you going to be used for a mighty work if you haven't even prepared your heart to do the most basic thing that God has called us to do? Assemble together. But how many people, they they don't come with expectation? Yeah, an expectation. Don't have any expectation of me. I'm just telling you right now because you are going to be disappointed. Of God, do you come with expectation of God? How about when you read your word? Let's take church. I know that's a touchy subject, right? The pastor's preaching about church again. How about when you read the word? Do you open the word with expectation that God is going to speak to you through the word? Or do you open out of some kind of obligation because you thought, well, I better get 10 minutes in or I'm a bad Christian, skirting the edge? Amen? How about prayer? When you pray to God, do you expect that God is going to answer you in some way with either a yes or a no, or this is something better that you could pray for? Do you have expectation when you go to God? Or do you just pray because that's what Christians do? Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. That's a Christian skirting the edge. Yeah. You know, I, I got a little bold again today when, when we talk about pray, cause, praise, because in the very basic thing of praise, you know, praise, is not, or praise and worship is not music that you sing. That's not what praise and worship is. Those things can be praise and worship, but they don't define praise and worship. They are praise and worship. They can be an aspect of praise and worship. Praise and worship comes out of your heart. Do you know, it, 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 like my spirit is grieved when, when I'm praising the Lord and we're together, congregating together, and yet there's nobody else doing it or very few people doing it. My spirit is grieved by that. Why? Because you're saying you can't open your mouth and praise the Lord? You can't, you can't pull out the words, God, pray, I praise you because of your goodness. Do you understand that, that that's, why, the, why, that's why at times, and I believe that it's not just my spirit that's grieved, I believe the Holy Spirit's grieved. Because yeah. God's people sit in churches silent. They sit in their lives silent. They don't ever, they never cry out to God. They'll cry out, they'll do things, they'll complain, they'll do all these other things. But they don't cry out to God. <coughs> they don't thank God for his goodness. And if we can't do it here where it's easy, how are we ever going to expect we're going to do it out there in the world where it's hard? I don't believe that people will. And that's another reason why people see the things they see. Forgive me if I get a little bit bold, but, but I believe that this is the Holy Spirit. And check me if I'm wrong. Right? Are these things I'm preaching not scriptural? God wants us to be prepared. Just like a good Boy Scout. He wants us prepared. But we have to decide to do it. A lot of times we make decisions. Oh, I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that because that's not the way I was raised. Skirting the edge. That's not what I'm comfortable with, skirting the edge. Yeah, I'm not talking about doing weird stuff. Praising God verbally with your mouth is all through Scripture. If you can't do it, there's an issue. It's a hindrance to you. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Brothers and sisters, oh my gosh. If you can't verbally praise the Lord, I'm praising God in my heart. No, you're not. The Bible doesn't tell us. It gives it, tells us, the Bible commands us to give the sacrifice of our lips, which is the praise. That's not out of your heart. I mean, it can come from your heart, emanate from your heart. You understand? And this doesn't mean that we have to, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to be the loudest person next time. That's not what I'm saying. But again, you know, we, 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 we tend to live in one ditch or the other. Somebody said that the only time that a Christian is out of the ditch is when they're going from one ditch to the next. The only time they're in the middle of the road is when they go from one ditch to the next. You know what I mean? Well, like, well, you, you know, like, well, uh, well, now you're making the rules. I'm not making rules about it. That's the thing. I'm just saying that we need to check ourselves and say, is our heart pure in this area? And if it's not, allow yourself to be corrected. And if you're just like, I don't believe that at all. 
and I won't believe it with as much as you say it. That's fine too. You can answer before the Lord. Just block me out for those few minutes when I'm talking. But, but you, you, you know what I'm saying? But, but, but God has these things. He wants us prepared for him. Hallelujah. He wants us to be ready for him in our day. Like when we start our day, we, do we just start running with all the things that we have to do? Or do we take even a second to think, God, I'm going to look for you in my day today. I'm going to see what you want to do through me today. I'm going to be corrected if I need to be corrected. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Turn with me to Philippians. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Preparing ourselves is not a difficult thing to do. And it's not something that you need to be overwhelmed with. So if you're being overwhelmed with it, I'm either preaching it wrong or you're listening to it wrong. One of the two, right? But I'm telling you now, so if I've been preaching it wrong up until now, I'm at least giving myself an out right now. And I'm also giving you an out. So you're ready for our out? It's not a difficult thing to do. It's not that you log a certain amount of hours. Prayer, reading the word, spending time with God, seeking after him, whatever you want to say, worship. It's not that you log a certain amount of time. It's that you care to do it. God is looking for the heart. He doesn't care how much it is in the sense of uh, like he's putting some kind of rule. Ideally, in God's heart, do you think that he would want want us to be doing it all the time? Of course. Continually. That's why the Bible says to do it continually, right? But, um, you know, pray without ceasing, right? I think we're supposed to praise without ceasing, too. Actually, praise is a, part, a form of prayer. Do you understand prayer? Is in, prayer doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be this or that. It doesn't have to look like that. It just has, it's communication is what prayer is. They used to, back in the King Jimmy time, they used to use the, uh, the word pray as a way of talking. Like if I was going to ask you, I pray, I, I pray you, right? I'm asking you. Yeah, it's not like, oh, bow down. You know what I mean? That's not what they're saying. So you understand that prayer doesn't have to just be bowed. I'm not saying it's wrong to bow down before God. Yeah, it's good to bow down before God. Um, but prayer can be, uh, it can be conversation. It can be your, it can be, uh, your mind being stayed on the Lord. Yeah. It's a form of prayer. Thankfulness, when, God, when, when God's blessed you. Man, sometimes I look down at my meal, I say, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Last week, right? We had all the food. Was that last week? All right. Last week we had all the food out, right? All the, the mashed potatoes and the gravies and the turkeys and the stuffing balls. I love stuffing balls. And did you create that? Is that your, your doing? Stuffing balls are a great idea, especially when you add mashed potatoes and gravy to them. Praise the Lord. Corn, all that stuff, right? Praise God. It's all that. Thank you, Lord, for this. You know, it's, it's not hard to be thankful at times like that. And that's a form of prayer. You understand, like prayer is not, I mean, I know that there's different things in prayer, but, but God didn't put prayer in such a box that, that we had to be so tripped up. Like, well, what if I'm not doing it right? Do what you knew, know to do to start with. And as you do what you know to do, God will start working on teaching you more about it, what he wants. And you, you know what, what happens is you get to a place where you start talking to God the way he wants you to talk to him. Because the way he wants, you know, Jeff and I, we have the same name. We spell it the same too, right? J-E-F-F, right? We spell it the same. But just because we are called by the same name doesn't mean that we're going to have the same relationship with God. He's going to speak to us differently. And that relationship is going to be built differently. And I can't tell him how God wants to have a relationship with him. And he can't tell me how God wants to have a relationship with me because you know what the truth is? The only ones that can know that are between us and him. Amen? And so, even if you share the same name, which we're proud to do, amen, it's a good name, amen, uh, but, uh, you know, even though we're proud to do this, share the same name, but God wants to have something special and unique with us. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. God will speak to us through different ways. God, God knows, he's, he's put this creativity on the inside of me where I want to make things and, and build things and, and draw things and, and whatever with things, write about things and, and think about things. And you know how God speaks to me a lot? Through that. Like all of a sudden I see something and it's like, oh, and it's like metaphors and 
parables and all these things. They just flow out of it. It's easy for me, right? What is this the way God speaks to me? He might not speak to everybody that way, but he'll speak to you in your life if you'll listen to him. And that's part of that preparation is not, not making it difficult, but saying, Lord, I just want to know you. Start with that. If you just want to know Lord, if you don't, then we got other problems. Let's talk about that too. But, but, but you know, if you just start with Lord, I want to know you. And you keep coming back to him, Lord, I want to know you. And you know, you know somebody that really wants to know somebody is somebody that doesn't give up on it too, too easily. Oh, I did it for a week and it didn't work. Well, how about seeking God continually? How about not stopping? How about having, a, you know, when I quit smoking, it was many years ago now, but when I quit smoking, I told myself this, because this is the only way I could quit. I told myself, I will have a cigarette when I've beat this. That's what I told myself. When I've gotten over all this, I'll have a cigarette. And I never did. I never had another cigarette again. I've had many dreams where I have. I'm just to be honest with you. And, and, and it scared me, because I remember how hard it was to quit. But, but you know, I, 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 had to, I, I had a little bit, I had to take it each, each moment, little bits by little bits. You know what I mean? I, I, and I, I put it right out, and I, I even had to tell myself something fake just to get myself to, to look forward to that point in time. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I won't have one for the next 10 months, but in 10 months, one day I'll have one, you know? But that's not, that's, I, I didn't do that, thank God. But uh, I almost did, but then I got to a place where I couldn't. Because I, I learned how to deal with it in that process, you know. And I can't remember fully why I brought that up, but we're in Philippians, so let's go there. Philippians 3. Maybe it'll help somebody. Philippians 3, verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Now, Paul had just gone through this period of telling the Philippians about all these things, like, you know, he's a Jew, he's a Hebrew, he's like, you know, a Pharisee, he, like he had all this training, like, he, you know, bloodline, all the good stuff, right? And now he's saying, whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted lost for the sake of Christ. Whatever is gained to me, it doesn't matter, right? More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That is, that is maybe one of the most profound things I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read tonight. <clears throat> the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. True preparation is the realization that knowing Jesus is so important that I'm going to start doing whatever I have to do to get me to that place. Whatever I have to do today. Not what i got to do for the next 10 months. It'll overwhelm you. What do I have to do today? And how do you start that process? With a simple prayer like this. Lord, I want to know you more today. I go to God simply. I, I don't. I don't need. I. You know. I've thought about. I, I've thought about going to school and, and and getting a degree and all this. But that's not who I am. That's not. Not. I mean. I would be if God told me to. I would do all that. But actually, the Lord showed me I didn't need to do all that. There's plenty of people that did that, and and I'll glean off them and I'll learn things. And I, I have that that uh, ability. But knowing God isn't about doing that specific thing. It's about doing what He wants me to do. It's about preparing myself, being prepared every day to hear from him. How many times, I can't tell you how many times in my life that something has happened. I was like, wow, I wasn't ready for that. But I wish I had been. And you know what those things, those times put in me? They don't put condemnation in me anymore. What they put in me is a desire to be prepared more for him. The fact that God could show up here. God, do you know God could show up here right now and start revival? It could start out of this church and grow to the point where we... It could happen right now, yeah. right? We don't know when God's going to do things like that. Maybe we sense some things. I know I sense some things, not necessarily about just this church, but just in general. I sense God is doing some things and there's some breakout. But we don't know. But preparing ourselves, yeah. preparing ourselves for that, not being surprised when it happens. Yeah. Wow, God has been, you know, and that's what I found is we start wanting to know him to know Jesus, my Lord. To know Jesus as my Lord. That's an important thing. What's, is, knowing Jesus as Lord is not saying, okay, just give me the tasks I need to do to make you happy and I'll do it. 
No, a Lord has control over your life. But God won't take the control over each one of our lives. This is the thing about our Lord. What a wonderful God we serve. He won't take control of your life. He's waiting for it to be sacrificed on the altar. For you to give it to him. Father, I give it to you. Today, Lord, this is all part of preparation. How do we prepare our things for ourselves for greater things? By sacrificing ourselves daily. Picking up our cross, crucifying our flesh, and saying, Lord, whatever it is you have for me to do, that's what I'll do. Lord, how can I do this better? How can I do this more? Never being satisfied with, with uh, oh, man, you know, I, this is good enough. Christians should not live a life before the Lord that's good enough. And that's one of the, one of the, one of the major issues. He said, I counted all things lost. Whatever was a benefit to me, whatever did good for me, whatever, whatever propped me up. You know, Paul had status in the world. He had status. So whatever was a benefit to me, I count it lost for Christ. Because none of it's as important as knowing him. Amen? Praise the Lord. Um, if I where I am. Oh, yeah. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. And may be found in him, not having righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. See, true faith is yielding to God. Because that's trust. You know, have you ever seen the trust falls? People do those sometimes. The trust falls, you know, someone stands behind you and they fall backwards. That's a trust fall. Do you, that, that, that's a great example of what faith is. When you think about God, a trust fall with God is, is Lord, this is my life. And these are my plans. And I put them before you because I know that you will do what's best with them. Maybe he'll change all your plans. Do you understand that? Brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you right now. You may have desires in your heart that God will require. I'm not going to hold back. I'm just going to tell you the truth. There's going to be things in your heart sometimes that God will say, that's not part of the plan. But you have to be able to trust him with the fact that that might not be part of the plan. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's people. Maybe it's a a, a certain uh, way of thinking. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We have to trust him. There's so many things. In fact, the, the closer I get with God... And this is a journey that we're all on, right? If you're closer with him today than you were yesterday, you're just like me. Some days I don't feel close to him at all, but I know that overall I've gotten closer to him. Do you know there's whole systems of thinking that God has had me completely throw away and change? Because it keeps me from knowing who he is in fullness. In fact, the reason that God has placed us where he's placed us, individually and even as a group, It's because there's things in his plan that he wants to get over to us that are only found in that place of knowing him. And a lot of times, many of you came not comfortable, but came uncomfortable. And that's okay. And as long as you follow God, even when he takes you to a place of uncomfortable, that's part of him being Lord. But that's what faith is. Faith is that trustful with your life, with with, with your, 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 your love, the things that you enjoy, the things that you relish, the things that you cherish, amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Um, <clears throat> that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by by Christ Jesus. Amen. Um, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And, and this is what it is. To prepare ourselves is just this. It's to press on 
into his plan, into him, into who he is, into what he wants. And the only way to press into him is to forget those things which are behind. Whatever came with us can't go forward with us unless he allows it to come forward. But he's, gonna go, he's going to bring us. There will be things in our lives that we bring to the door of effect. You know, the great and effective door that the Bible talks about? You know, some of the adversaries aren't just the devils. They're just demons. Sometimes the adversaries of going through the door is your own flesh. In fact, I would say this, that a lot of times the adversary of going through the door of what God has for us in the future is our own selves, the things that we want to keep, the things that we won't let go of. Amen? Now, I have in here, I wanted to read verse 11 again, and I can't remember why, so we'll just go there. It says, In order that I may attain to the res- oh, yeah. In order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, this is interesting. This isn't just talking about that I get to be born again into resurrection and go to heaven. Um, this one commentary says this about this, and I think that's really interesting. He has in mind the spiritual resurrection of the believing sinner spoken of in Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 8. A resurrection out from a state in which he is dead in trespasses and sins to one in which he is alive with the divine life of God motivating his being. Yeah, I'll read that again. He has in mind the spiritual resurrection of the believing sinner spoken of in Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 8. A resurrection out a resurrection, this is what's in his mind, a resurrection out from a state in which he is dead in trespasses and sins to one in which he is alive with the divine life of God motivating his being. Wow. This, is what it call, uh, it's, it, this is what it is to be called into this, this glorious kingdom. They, yeah. We are to reflect God's glory and the only way to do that is to come out from, our, from what we were and to press into what he is. Amen? Now, I wrote this down. I took this note uh, many, uh, a long time ago, and I wrote this down, but I thought it was so good. So many Christians never learn about the power of living a resurrected life. People, myself included, are so bogged down with life as we know it that even though we are born again and rescued out of it, we stay in that state. We keep ourselves, even though we've been born again into this, this wonderful resurrected life, we keep ourselves in that state because we're so bogged down by life. We don't, we don't, we don't do the trust fall. We don't really look at it and say, God, I really trust you with my life. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, sometimes this is a minute-to-minute basis. Not every day, but sometimes. Sometimes this is by the second. Sometimes I have nothing else but to do but just say, Lord, I trust you with my life. Yeah. That's prayer to him. Yeah. Saying, Lord, I trust you with my life, making a statement. It's not asking God for anything, but it's prayer. And it's prayer that's sweet-smelling sacrifice to him. Amen? Amen. What, what I'm saying in all this is we need to trim the fat. Yeah, yeah we need to trim the fat. We need to, we need to you know, we need to, we, we just came out of the, you know, uh, Halloween season, we need to scoop out the guts of the pumpkins. Yeah, you know, we need to, you know, I know some people don't do that and don't like that and stuff, but you, you understand the metaphor anyways, right? We need to clean things up. We need to be vessels that are fit for his use. We need to, we, 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 we need to, be, we need to be people that God can do something with, but if we don't start in the little things, just preparing ourselves. This isn't big stuff. Do you understand this? That the plan of God never comes, it never seems to come through these big, loud, booming, you know, these wonderful, all oh, these great orders. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing, not people that can speak really good. He uses the foolish things of the world to, 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 to confound the wise, right? It doesn't need to be great and wonderful things. It doesn't have to be millions of dollars to get the plan done. It needs to be faith with a dollar. Yeah. You understand, I'm speaking metaphorically again. Faith with a little. It's like, Lord, I have a little. That's all I have. I should trust you with it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Here it is. Here I am. I'm a little. Yeah. I'm not much. If nothing else, I'm only five foot nine. <laughs> right? Yeah. 
I'm a little. There's not much to me. Not, there, there's not much wonderful about me. In fact, I can't tell you how many times that I, I look at my own life and I think, Lord, it'd be better if we just ended this whole thing, you know, like just to get on to the next world. And why? Because my flesh. I hate my sin. I hate my flesh. I hate the things. You know what I mean by the flesh? The, the corrupted flesh, you know? My, the, the things that make me weak as a human even. You understand? When I'm sick, I hate that. I hate dealing with the inability to have the strength. What is that? It's all part of this world and this flesh and, and all these things. You understand? I'm not saying, you know, I'm not making advocacy for, you know, doing bad things, but praise God. You understand, though, we need to trim the fat. <coughs> Man. Well, praise God. We need to bring ourselves to that place. But brothers and sisters, if we don't decide to do that, if we won't make those decisions, daily decisions, minute to minute, Second to second. Sometimes it's just like, oh, oh we're going to do this for a week because this seems right. Praise the Lord. God will teach us about him. He will bring us into that place. Amen? Amen. So, again, if, 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 if from my preaching you're like, oh, it's just made it really difficult. Let's make it real easy. Just follow him. Make an effort in your life to prepare yourself. To cut it off ahead of time. Don't wait till Jesus shows up with something big for you to do, prepare yourself now for what God wants to do at any moment in your life. And if you do this most simply just by this, Lord, today help me to prepare myself to be useful for you. That is a really, really good start. Amen?